the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Take me out to the ball game. Actually, I don't want to go to the ball game. I gave up on uh, Major League Baseball a long time ago, but we're going to talk about baseball a lot today. I don't miss baseball one bit, but I'd like to see it come back just to show that we are headed back to normal life. Lives, I should say. We'll uh, talk to the national baseball writer for the Washington Post in our second half hour. We're going to find out if and when the players and the owners might stop fighting over money and come back. But here's another baseball angle. Dr. Jay Bhattacharya of uh, Stanford, who was on this show several weeks ago, by the way, he has a new study, and it was done with the help of baseball, not the players, mostly staff. And uh, he found some interesting things. There was a good uh, demographic sampling among all the staff. And only 0.7% of that staff, uh, all of those staffs, had uh, coronavirus antibodies, which would mean that they had the virus. And he found the staffs of the Yankees and the Mets had less than 3% uh, who showed antibodies. The uh, Yankees actually less than 2%, uh, compared to 25% of the general population of New York City. So the doc says that that shows that low-income people who don't work at home and live in densely populated neighborhoods are much more likely to get the bug. But... But here's the big takeaway. Um, Dr. Bhattacharya says, and are you ready? He says that uh, containment strategies are not likely to be effective. How about that? And the Wuhan virus is not going to disappear. Here's the money quote. I think in the back of people's heads, uh, there is the idea that somehow we can eradicate this disease if we just stay locked down. That is not possible. The serologic evidence, even the MLB study, suggests this. It suggests the epidemic is too widespread to eradicate. It spreads via asymptomatic contact, people with no symptoms. Uh, like people who don't have very many symptoms, even mild cold symptoms can spread the thing. They aren't going to show up for testing. They aren't going to show up at a hospital or a doctor. That's a, a quote. Uh, and then here's another one for you, especially if you're excited about being moved into the yellow phase at midnight tonight, which I still think uh, as I think is preventing you from uh, getting a haircut. Here's the quote. There is no safe option. If you think that having a lockdown will provide you safety, you are mistaken. Because the problem is this lockdown has had enormous negative effects on the health of people in the United States and around the world. So there you have it. Another doctor, and he's been saying this, I think. This isn't the first time he's, he's, been, uh, he's getting, gotten a lot of publicity. Uh, actually, it happened right after he was on the show, um, started showing up on TV, national TV. But there you have it. This is another doctor, pretty smart guy, who says the torture that we've been going through for the last two months is a waste of time. How's that grab you? Make you feel good? Got that yellow phase coming up, boy. Midnight, only, what, less than seven hours away. Oh, well, when we come back, we're going to talk to an expert on China about how the Democrats, American universities, and the media have enabled the country that gave us the Wuhan virus. Stick around. Well, we're all spending more time at home these days, but somehow the wind and the rain didn't get the memo about shelter in place. This is John Stoggerwald with some great news from Windows R Us Pittsburgh. They've been granted a waiver by the governor to handle any emergency repairs outside your home. If you've had damage to your roof, gutters, siding, or windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can still answer the call. And everything will be handled in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines to keep your family and their employees safe. You may be eligible for free repair or replacement with the area's premier exterior replacement company with over 50 years of home remodeling experience. Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers for a no-pressure approach with no hidden fees and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry, a company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. 
WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Let's welcome Jeremy Kemp. Hope comes home with I Still Believe. You can download it now at WatchSalemMedia.com. From the creators of I Can Only Imagine comes the uplifting true life story of Christian music megastar Jeremy Camp. I'm supposed to be with her. I can't explain it. I just know that. Jeremy's hope and faith are put to the test when tragedy strikes. You're going to be healed. What if I'm not supposed to be healed? Don't say that. I Still Believe is an incredible story of musical stardom, the heights of love, the depths of loss, and the healing power of the human spirit. One love can change your life. You chose willingly to walk into the fire with her. That's what love is. Witness the true story of Christian music star Jeremy Camp and his journey of love and loss that looks to prove there is always hope. Starring K.J. Appa, Britt Robertson, Gary Sinise, and Shania Twain. Own I Still Believe on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital now from Lions at WatchSalemMedia.com. That's WatchSalemMedia.com. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to our listeners. You can get great discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, they're offering buy one, get one free on a variety of their amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, MyPillow towels, roll-and-go anywhere pillows, duvet covers, Giza pillowcases, bolster pillows, and neck pillows. Plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. Be sure to use promo code STAG. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with the global coronavirus pandemic. They'll be making face masks for hospitals across the country. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, when the uh, the Wuhan virus fiasco is over, if it ever is, uh, there's going to be a lot of finger pointing. And which side you're on is going to determine who you blame. But uh, in the end, maybe everybody should just blame China. That's where the, the virus started. We are um, attempting to get our guests to come on to talk about that. Uh, it might take a minute here. Um, but, um, yeah, China uh, China is um, going to be accused of a lot of things by the world. That's the difference. And uh, it's a matter, I guess, of how, how strong the uh, the backing is for, first of all, President Trump to, uh, to um, stand up to them. And he's going to have to get a lot of help from around the world, I guess, to make it work. Um, can't just be the United States again. But uh, there's a lot of Chinese money in the United States, and um, that's that's got to stop. And so that's going to be a problem because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people out there making a lot of money uh, from dealing with China. And um, the American universities, for example, uh, American, you got them, uh, Mike? Okay, sorry about that. We had a little delay, um, but uh, Stephen Mosher is the author of Asia Bully. Uh, one guy he's not blaming for all this uh, is Donald Trump, and um, he is here now. Thanks for being here, Stephen. We had a little issue with me. I, I did something really smart. I gave him the wrong area code for your phone number, but 
you know, that's just kind of the way it works around here. I'm going well, to be that, fired. That doesn't work for me either. So <laughs> I'm glad <laughs> so, we're in touch. I'm glad it wasn't a Chinese cyber attack. Yeah. So th- there are lots of um, there are lots of old videos out there. Everybody's seen them of, of Donald Trump when he was just the Donald, uh, and he was out there warning everybody about China a long time ago. Was he right, and has he handled them well to this point, or well enough? Yeah, he was absolutely. He was absolutely right. Uh, he he's been he's been warning about China uh, for nearly as long as I have, and I've been. I was in China back in 1980, and I saw the direction that China was going in. I saw the brutality, the cruelty, the murder of tens of millions of people. And I know that in a 1999 book, for example, he wrote extensively about China's cheating on trade, theft of intellectual property, and, uh, of course, its uh, devaluation of its currency. So, so, so China's been cheating for a long time. Uh, Donald Trump has been on their case for a long time, and we are, we are very blessed to have him as our president. Uh, because beginning in 2017, yeah, the, um, we took a very different tack. Yeah, the, um, the the fact that he was not a politician back then, and not looking at it as a politician, he was looking at it as a businessman, uh, and that gave him a, a, a really valuable perspective, didn't it? Uh, that the politician well, doesn't get this. Yeah, absolutely did, and it did because because they were never able to capture Donald Trump. They were able to capture American politicians. Uh, that's how they, they play their game. It's called elite capture. Uh, they go in and they bribe and, and they, they blandish, they offer various inducements until uh, the politicians do their bidding. The Wall Street companies come in and invest a billion dollars and then are held hostage. Uh, they were never able to get Donald Trump to build a hotel in Beijing. Uh, I think they may have tried, but uh, he didn't want to do business in a country that, uh, where contracts are not valid the instant after they're signed. Um, you know, they violate agreements before the ink is dry on the paper. So he stayed out of the China business and was able to objectively see what China was doing to the United States, which is leaving us dry of intellectual property, uh, mm-hmm. leaving us dry of capital, and uh, basically using using us uh, to get a, get a leg up on us and the world. How much money from China has come into the people up there on Wall Street? <laughs> Uh, hundreds, hundreds of billions of dollars. Uh, Wall Street does this. The major financial firms uh, will will help uh, Chinese state-owned companies, state-controlled companies, to offer an IPO, an initial uh, price offering, uh, and sell shares on Wall Street and make a lot of money, money which goes hard currency, which goes back to China. Very important to China because China has a controlled currency. The Chinese yuan is not worth very much on the international scene, uh, whereas the U.S. dollar, of course, is is a trading instrument of choice. So Wall Street has helped to finance China's rise. And people say, well, some of the companies in in China are private. No, they aren't. Every company in China with more than 50 employees has a Chinese Communist Party cell of members uh, that make sure the party, uh, the company adheres to the party line. There's a party secretary uh, in that company who can tell the chairman uh, what policies to adopt. And every company of any size with a board of directors has to have a Communist Party member on the board of directors, again, like a political commissar, uh, like the Soviets used to have political commissars in their military to make sure the generals didn't go rogue. Uh, China has put political commissars on the boards of directors of all the so-called private companies in China. So there are no private companies in China. That's all a facade, uh, a, a legal way of creating kind of a, a false legal person to take advantage of our laws while really everything is controlled from the top. Now, um, what is it about China, though? Is it, is it the amount of money that they have to spend? Uh, why has China um, been, been able to do what they've done uh, and other countries have not? Well, it's, it's a concerted effort. Uh, China uh, published a book, a couple of senior colonels in the People's Liberation Army published a book back in 1999 called Unrestricted Warfare. And China has been in a cold war with us across all domains uh, since at least the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. And then across all domains, I mean not just the military domain, the economic domain, the trade domain, uh, the intellectual property domain. Uh, it's a whole-of-government approach to sucking us dry of capital and technology expertise, uh, you know, undermining American institutions like colleges and universities to get access to cutting-edge technology, which is then taken back to China and, and monetized, commercialized, and sold back to us. I mean, so we pay for it once uh, when we 
pay the college lab to develop the technology, and then we pay for it again when the goods come from China and we have to buy it. Uh, it's a it's a really good deal for them. It's a really bad deal for us. Look, we've made the greatest strategic blunder in human history. We've enabled the rise of the country uh, that wants to defeat and destroy us uh, as the dominant power on the yeah. planet. Six hundred. Yeah, yeah. And you write in a piece that American greatness, and we're talking to, uh, Stephen Mosher. Is it? Is that, am I pronouncing your name right, Stephen? Yeah, it's Mosher, and the book is Bully of Asia. Oh, Bully of Asia. Okay. Um, boy, I'm having a bad day today. Um, but you're helping me. Uh, you, you write in a piece at American Greatness that they'll be putting pressure on the politicians now in Washington, I guess the lobbyists, uh, not to do anything to stop all this money you're talking about from flowing. Is that going to work? Well, I hope not. Uh, it's worked for the last 25 years uh, because the politicians sometimes talk up. Uh, we get rhetoric on China, but we don't get action. At the end of the day, they blame China wins. Now, of course, China has alerted us to the fact that it is a threat not just to our economy, not just to our factories, not just to our manufacturing base. It's a threat to our very health. And I think most Americans now, I mean, the last poll I saw was 77% of Americans see China as a threat. Uh, there is now a popular wave of, of opinion in this country that combined with Donald Trump, who wants to do uh, the right thing in terms of keeping America first, uh, Donald Trump will be able to turn into policies that will permanently, I think, uh, keep China in second place or better yet in third or fourth place until the Chinese people uh, overthrow the Communist Party and, and a democratic regime comes in power there. Well, and how much of what Donald Trump said about China over the years made uh, Wall Street and the media dislike him so much and be so against him becoming president and so against him even to this day? That, that, I mean, it's a, everybody knows it's a derangement syndrome. Well, he's, he's threatening the Chinese say, uh, don't let anyone break your rice bowl. Uh, that is to say, don't let anyone take away your means of earning a living. Well, Donald Trump is threatening the rice bowls of ne nearly all the, the Wall Street financiers who have been financing uh, the rise of China the last 30 years and becoming uh, fabulously wealthy in the process. Uh, he's threatening the pocketbooks of, you know, thousands of lobbyists in Washington, D.C. on K Street who represent Chinese companies or, or American companies that have gone to China. And, of course, once you're in China, once you've invested a few hundred uh, million dollars in China, uh, they can get you to do whatever they want, uh, whatever they want, because... They can threaten to shut you down, and they will shut you down. These guys play hardball, as we know. They're now threatening not to allow any NBA games ever again to be broadcast in China until the the uh, the manager of the Houston Rockets, who who tweeted out that he supports uh, democracy in Hong Kong, until he's fired. Uh, so you know this is the way they play the game. But we've got we've got a great counterpuncher. Uh, in the White House, we've got someone who sees China for what it is, you know, and we can stop China's rise and we won't be doing it alone now. Post coronavirus, we're going to have a lot of support from the Europeans. Uh, they'll no longer be sitting on the fence. We'll have support from Japan and, and India, many countries around the world who now see China for the threat that it is. Now you point to three key American institutions that might not be all that enthusiastic about uh, confronting China. Uh, let's start with American universities. Well, American universities have taken a lot of money from China over the years. The recent study showed that uh, over the last six years, they've taken $900 million. Uh, that's been divided among 115 colleges and universities in the country. Uh, Harvard has been the big winner. They got $93 million for their China program. And the trouble is, uh, China doesn't practice academic freedom. It doesn't believe in freedom of speech or freedom of assembly or human rights or anything else. Any of the principles that we hold dear, uh, they violate. I mean, you name a human right, and China's violating it uh, in, at a massive scale. So what are American universities doing taking all this money? Well, China wants them to become propaganda outposts uh, for China's rise to support the policies of China internationally and in the United States. And I'm afraid that a lot of universities have... Uh, have taken the money, they continue to utter platitudes about academic freedom and so forth, and they ignore the fact that China violates academic freedom every day. If you in China, if you're a China scholar, and this just happened yesterday, if, if you criticize dictator for life Xi Jinping, you're arrested uh, a few days later, and you're disappeared. 
your family doesn't know where you've gone. You're being held in a secret jail, and you'll be held for for weeks or months or years. You have no recourse at all. Um, so what what are American universities doing taking Chinese money? They're allowing themselves to be compromised. A lot of hypocrisy there. Oh, absolutely. You know, you, you, you hear a lot of talk at Harvard University about uh, academic freedom. Well, the, the day that the president of Harvard University was to meet dictator for life Xi Jinping, uh, president for life of China, uh, the, the uh, university was supposed to hold a, a conference on human rights in China. Guess what? Uh, the university put pressure on the professor who was going to hold that conference on human rights in China because he didn't want to embarrass dictator for life Xi Jinping. So there you have a, a, a live example just occurred not too long ago of a university self-censoring. I mean, they didn't even wait for the Chinese Communist Party to come over and say, you know, you really shouldn't criticize our human rights violation because you've taken $93 million of our money. They did it on their own. Self-censorship is rampant. Uh, if you take their money, you have to do their bidding. And uh, the other, another one is the media. You say the media is another institution that enables China. Yeah, we have really some strange headlines coming out of the media these days. We have political uh, quoting Chinese Twitter uh, to the effect that, that China is doing a much better job in, in containing the coronavirus than, 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 than Trump is doing. And that, you know, Trump and America is failing and China is succeeding and China ought to be a model for the world. This is nothing, uh, of course, but Chinese propaganda. It has to be because if you're on Chinese Twitter, which is called Weibo, and you criticize the government, uh, your Twitter account is censored uh, and shut down. They have what they call in China, they have 50 centers. Uh, they get 50 Chinese cents for posting something positive about the regime, for reposting propaganda every time they do it. So a lot of people in China make a living as 50 centers constantly saying nice things about China. And, of course, coming on, coming on some of the foreign uh, websites and, and, uh, and criticizing those who criticize China. So this is all paid propaganda. Um, 500 people in China at least have been arrested uh, for criticizing the Chinese government's response. Uh, to the Wuhan virus. Uh, they will never be heard from again on Chinese Twitter. Uh, in fact, they may not be heard from for a long time. So for, for American media companies to take anything that comes out of China at face value is just nonsensical. They should know better. They should know better. It used to be that, you know, um, uh, the, the effort, uh, Americans uh, stopped at the water's edge from criticizing their president. They would never, of course take the side of China or during World War II of Nazi Germany or during the Cold War of the Soviet Union. Now, of course, it's commonplace. We have American media figures swallowing Chinese propaganda hook, line, and sinker uh, because it, uh, they, they're trying to put President Trump in a bad light. I only have a minute or so left, and I'm up against a hard break. So just let's get to the Democrats. Uh, Joe Biden uh, especially going to have to start singing a different tune about China. Yeah, Biden's got a real China problem, as we all know, because of the billion and a half dollars that his son Hunter uh, got as a soft loan from the Bank of China a few years ago when he was vice president. So what, what, what Joe Biden would like to do is he'd like to get to the right of Donald Trump. He'd like to criticize Donald President Trump for being weak on China. This is the same. Uh, this is right out of Clinton's playbook. You know, in, after the Tiananmen massacre in the early 90s, Bill Clinton criticized George Bush for being weak on China, and actually that message resonated. But good luck, Joe, good luck to Joe Biden trying to get to the right of Donald Trump on China. There's no room there. Uh, Trump hey, has been as hard on China. Stephen, I'm out of time. I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Good to talk to you. All right, Stephen Mosier, and he is the author of Bully of Asia. That's the book, and he knows all about China. Check it out. We'll be back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The Senate has voted to reauthorize several intelligence programs by a vote of 80 to 16. Senators voting to reauthorize three intel programs that expired earlier this year amid a GOP deadlock on certain provisions. President Trump says the coronavirus pandemic 
highlights the importance of U.S. manufacturing and moving supply chains out of China, the country he blames for not doing enough to slow the virus. The president today has traveled to Allentown, Pennsylvania, to highlight a U.S. medical equipment distributor and talk about restocking the national medical stockpile. The stock market ending a choppy day higher as a turnaround by banks and energy companies helped end a two-day losing streak. The Dow gained 377 points. The Nasdaq up 80. The S&P ahead 32. This is SRN News. Thinking about life insurance? Did you know in just a few minutes you can find the best price from up to 10 price competitive companies for free? You can with Select Quote. For example, George is 39. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $22 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323, 800-494-2323, or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Most of us didn't see this coming. In fact, we've been stunned as we watch it unfold. America's young people have become so indoctrinated that more than half of them now think socialism is a good idea. How did this happen? We weren't paying attention. All the nation's schools taught this confounding ideology to our kids. Now those kids are adults. Now they want to fundamentally change the way America works. This radio station exists to educate and to return this country to the way it was founded. We have a country to save. Keep listening to find out how. AM 1250, The Answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Looking for a new job? Coast to Coast Career Fairs and The Answer are hosting a free virtual job fair Wednesday through Friday, May 20th through the 22nd from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Attend this virtual job fair from anywhere online. It's free for job seekers and open to the public. Connect virtually with dozens of good employers who are hiring in the Pittsburgh area. Virtual interviews available for a variety of positions. Wednesday, May 20th to Friday, May 22nd. Pre-register at c2cjobfairs.com. c2cjobfairs.com. Sponsored by The Answer Pittsburgh. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. All of our cleaning and disinfection services use hospital-grade, EPA-registered products. Contact us to provide peace of mind for your employees. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. This is John Samick, owner of Service Master Greater Pittsburgh. Our specialty cleaning services can provide the peace of mind your customers and employers need as your business reopens. Demand the yellow van. Call Service Master Greater Pittsburgh and schedule a consultation today. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the eastbound turnpike, accident cleared between the Pittsburgh-Monroeville and Irwin exits. But we've got construction on the westbound side in the right lane between Cranberry and Beaver Valley. Thanks, Phil. We've got Carnahan Road shut down through next month with construction between Younger Avenue and Banksville Road. 885 in West Mifflin under construction between Mifflin Road and Noble Drive. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer, Weather. Cloudy and mild with occasional rain and a thunderstorm, tonight's low 63. Breezy with clouds and showers and a thunderstorm in the afternoon, high Friday 78. Friday night, cloudy and mild with showers and a thunderstorm, low 60. Sunshine and clouds on Saturday, high 75. And cloudy with showers and a thunderstorm Sunday with a high 76. 
With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Andy Robb. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, everybody wants to get back to normal, and one sign that uh, we've done that will be when sports are back. Uh, Major League Baseball would like to come back by the 4th of July, but the owners and players are fighting over what they always fight over, money. Dave Scheinan is the national baseball writer for the Washington Post. He joins us now. Dave, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. So should anybody be surprised that baseball owners and baseball players are fighting about money? <laughs> well, certainly not if you know anything about the labor history in baseball. Um, it's a long, contentious history. Um, you know, obviously um, some strikes in the past, some work stoppages. Uh, we have had an unprecedented period of labor peace in baseball uh, since the last strike of 94-95. Yeah. Uh, but that has only been achieved with, you know, a lot of difficult negotiations. And there were times since then that, that it had been close to a work stoppage. Uh, and now, you know, we could be on the precipice again, assuming that they can find a way forward through the coronavirus pandemic. So what's the union's biggest problem with the owner's offer right now? Well, um, I mean, if you're talking just the money, um, the, the problem that they have with the offer is that uh, it, it calls for a split of revenues, a 50-50 split of revenues. Um, the union equates that to a salary cap because it places a limit on the amount of money the players can make that is not um, just one of, of natural fluctuations in the market. So they consider it to be a salary cap. Uh, the other sports that do have salary caps, such as the NFL, the NBA, they also have a revenue share like this. So that's the problem that the union has. It's, a, it's an absolute non-starter for them. Yeah, are they afraid that it's, you say it's going to set a precedent, but, I mean, this is a pretty yeah. um, unique situation that the world finds itself in right now. And um, are they that terrified that just because they would agree to do it now in the middle of the worst pandemic in 100 years, that that means that that goes on, you know, in perpetuity? Yeah, I mean, I think there is a, um, a slippery slope argument here that, you know, we are bumping up against a new uh, labor agreement negotiation. The current labor agreement ends at the end of 2021. So so we're on the verge of, of, of that negotiation, which is an epic, <clears throat> difficult negotiation itself. But I think that more than that, you know, the players feel like they've already agreed to a reduction in salaries uh, based on a prorated portion of their 2020 salaries based on the number of games played. They also believe that they're the ones taking on the bulk of the risk here by playing. Um, and they point out, you know, if you're not going to have fans in the seats, uh, the reason you're not going to have fans in the seats is because it's not safe for them. So what does mm -hmm. that say about the safety of the players? So there's all these different reasons um, why, why they are opposed to a further reduction in salaries. Yeah, July 4th is uh, uh, less than two months away, like seven weeks that's the target date to start the season right around there, but they'll need some time for training. They call it spring training, but it's going to be in June. Anyway, um, even if the labor issues disappeared today, how confident do you think the owners are that they can make this happen, even if, uh, you know, it's just assuming that they figure out the, the money situation? Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, they feel pretty confident that they're going to be able to pull this off um, despite, you know, the ongoing nature of, of this pandemic, uh, they, they're very confident of that. They feel like they can procure the tests without diverting resources from the general public. They're very cognizant of the optics of that. They do not want to be perceived as cutting in line uh, or diverting necessary resources from, from the public. Uh, but they believe they can do that. They believe they can put in place the protocols to keep everybody safe. Uh, keep everybody healthy, um, and, and and to react in the event that somebody does test positive, one of the players. So they're confident that they can pull this off. The reason why we're talking about this now and, and July 4th is, you know, almost two months away is that the nature of baseball is you have to build up pitchers' arms. So mm -hmm. you need a three-week spring training in June to get ready for that, and you need to get guys mobilized now 
um, you know, to even get ready for spring training um, in order to pull this off. So there's a lot of lead time here, and we all know, and baseball knows, that a lot can still change between now and July 4th. But to pull it off, they really needed to get started now. Uh, I know this is not necessarily what you're, you and I, well, I talk about it, but this is not, this is not a baseball issue, but it's a, uh, just a kind of a cultural thing. People are looking to see that we return to, you know, they're, they're anxious to return to normal. Uh, seeing baseball games on TV, even without fans, would, give, would be a, a gigantic morale boost for the country just to show that things are at least looking like they're uh, approaching getting back to normal. Do you think they have any interest at all in, in that or that, that that affects them, either the owners or the players in any way? Do they take any responsibility well, for that? I think they do, absolutely. I mean, I remember, you know, Bud Selig, the previous commissioner uh, before uh, Rob Manfred's predecessor, used to always say that baseball is a social institution, mm-hmm. uh, which means, you know, it belongs to the people. It, it's there, you know, to entertain and comfort people. And I, I think they both sides fully see that. But, you know, there's also a realistic side that, you know, you can't push this through um, if it's not going to be healthy and safe for everybody. And you also can't push it through um, without taking care of the money aspect. Um, I think both sides appreciate even more than than the, um, you know, return for the sake of the American people. They, they appreciate the fact that neither one of them is going to make any money. And in fact, they're going to lose a lot of money this year if they don't play. Uh, so there's every motivation in the world, altruism and self-interest to get this thing underway and get them on the field. But that doesn't make it any easier to do so. Talking to Dave Shannon, he's the national baseball writer at the Washington Post. Um, and uh, Blake Snell of the Tampa Bay Rays was up on Twitter today in a video saying uh, he would be risking his life by playing. And, uh, you know, I'm not playing for anything less than what I'm owed if i got to go out there and risk my, my life. Uh, do you think most players or a good number of players would agree with him on that? Because I, I think he's got a better chance of being struck by lightning out on, on the mound than he has of dying from the coronavirus at his age. But that's just me. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it was very inartfully stated, I guess, but mm-hmm. I think that the general sentiment is one shared by a lot of players, which is that, number one, we've already agreed to a reduction in salaries, prorated yeah. based on the number of games. We shouldn't have to agree to a second round of reduction. Uh, number two, we are the ones putting ourselves at risk and our families at risk by going out there on the field. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, he, he didn't say it very well, but, uh, I mean, the sentiment is shared by a lot of people with the union, uh, agents, players, um, and, and they feel very adamantly that they shouldn't be required to take an additional pay cut. And that's going to yeah. be a big problem when they get around to talking about money. Yeah, they uh, th- that argument, though, uh, Dave, isn't going to uh, work too well if a lot of people are going back to work because uh, – I don't see where they are at any more risk than anybody else who goes back to their job. You know, I mean, it's if you're out on the field playing baseball, you're not in any more. Why are you at any more risk? than if you're working in a bank, you know, you go that's, back to work. That's in correct. A, yeah. So that, I don't know how long that that, that argument um, isn't going to work for long. But uh, but yeah. at, at the at the start of the negotiations or during the negotiations, I guess it gives them some leverage. Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. I, I've covered labor wars before with uh, baseball, and I mean, the public sentiment almost always sides with the owners. Yeah. Um, even though you know they're they're the richer ones, they're they're the billionaires, and the players are the millionaires. Um, public sentiment almost always sides with the owners, and I think it's essentially because you know, these athletes are playing what amounts to a a children's game for huge sums of money, and the fans sitting there watching them are thinking to themselves, I I would play this for free if it were me. Um, Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, there's this built-in inherent, um, you know, um, animosity almost towards the players, and that's something they have to consider, too. This is very, you have to keep public relations and perception and image in mind as you're going through this, because one side is bound to come out the losers, and, and, and you know, history tells us that's generally the players. Uh, yeah, you're right that the players know that public sentiment has tended to favor the owners in past labor wars. They, they know, but, yep. uh, but 
But does their union boss, Tony Clark, or do the players care that much about that? I think they, they have to know it, that it exists, but how much are they going to let that affect what they do? Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know that anybody knows the answer to that other than Tony Clark. I mean, they yeah. have very solid reasoning. They have very, you know, I mean, they have their reasons for taking the stances they are, and, and, they're, and they're on solid ground. Uh, I mean, a lot of this comes down to the language in the March agreement that they're disputing right now with the, the, the players saying, you know, it already um, accounts for salaries and compensation and it's already written there. And the league is saying, yes, it's written in there, but that was for games with fans. And that games without fans requires a different uh, calculation because we're going to be losing gobs of money from, you know, not having fans in seats. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of this really does come down to, to legalese and the language in the actual agreement, which is, is unfortunately kind of confusing and, and legally, you know, vague. And what's the damage to Major League Baseball, um, I guess the, the long term anyway, beyond the financial if this season is wiped out for whatever reason? Well, wow. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just it's massive, right? I mean, you, you think about everything from players who are in their 30s and maybe on the, on the cusp of, of making the Hall of Fame and are going to lose a full year of their production. It's almost like the war years when Ted Williams, you know, lost years to, to World War II, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be players who, who lose uh, hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, Mookie Betts is the best example of a guy who's going to be a free agent next year uh, or this coming winter and was probably in line for a $400 million contract. I don't know that teams are going to be willing to go to those lengths anymore. Teams are going to be cutting back on payroll. Um, there's going to be massive ramifications of this. You could see teams or, or ownerships, um, going bankrupt, you know, without revenues to sustain them. Um, Major League Baseball could have to sweep, swoop in and, and, and rescue a team or two. Um, there, there's all kinds of ramifications that we probably can't even scratch the surface of. And, and the Washington uh, Nationals have quite a few fans down there who work in the government. Uh, what yeah. kind of pressure might the government put on baseball to get moving if, it's, if there seems to, be a, seems to be dragging on here? Yeah, I, th- I think the government, uh, you know, if you take your cues from the Trump administration, they're very much in favor of getting sports on the field. I mean, the president has been out front saying that several times. Um, so they do feel as if there is clearance given by the federal government to get on the field. And that's not just the Nationals. That's that's Major League mm-hmm. Baseball as a whole. Um, but, you know, you, you also have to be cognizant of the health risks there and and they realize they have to proceed very carefully and and you know very cautiously to to pull this off would you put the chances of there being a season at better than 50 50 right now would you put your money on it um i would i would i would put it slightly better than 50 50 slightly better than a coin toss i mean um <laughs> that whether whether it's the money or whether it's the health and safety issues, there are significant roadblocks still to go. But I can tell you that both sides are very, very motivated to make this work uh, because the alternative is, is devastation. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's a loss of, of massive amounts of money on both sides. So, you know, they're highly motivated to do it. And I, I don't like the chances of, of them being able to get through a season without allowing spitting. How about you? <laughs> yeah, um, I don't. I don't yeah. give that any chance at all of working. Uh, it is so ingrained in the game, right? It, it would yeah. be like trying to outlaw, you know, uh, curveballs or something. Right. It's so it's such a part of the fabric. Um, you know, it's we do have the roadmap here of uh, the Korea Baseball Organization. KBO is playing games overseas yeah. right now. Uh, they're playing in Taiwan. Both of those leagues have outlawed spitting and high fives. And from what I understand, um, you know, it's, it's actually uh, going fairly well. Uh, I mean, every now and then somebody will spit, and, and it's not as if they're fined on the spot or suspended. But, you know, someone comes along and tells them you can't do that. And it, it has made a difference. Um, but then again, you know, it's a much smaller league there. Uh, 
in America, we're much more about personal individual rights. And yeah. so I don't know how that's going to go, I, but it's going to be very <laughs> fascinating to watch. Be, it might, I, I think that it, there'll be, at some point there will be a player who blames his inability to spit for not you know, feeling comfortable at the plate. You know, I, when I go up there, I'm superstitious. I got to spit across the plate once, you know, before I, before yeah. I get set, you know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and pitchers also, you know, they, they, they tend to, you know, get the, a new ball from the umpire. Oh, yeah. And walk to the back of the mound and spit in their hand and, and rub up right. the ball to, to get some of the sheen off of it. So, yeah, they're going to, you know, they're not going to be able to do that. And you're going to hear a pitcher saying the same thing. You know, I gave up that home run because I couldn't <laughs> spit on my hand and rub up the ball. So, you know, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I think most people would take it. Whatever they got, well, pe- most people would take it right now. Uh, people are so starved for any kind of a sport. But uh, we'll see what happens. Dave, I always appreciate you being on. Great stuff. Thank you very much. Okay, John, anytime. Thank you. That's Dave Shinen, national baseball writer for the Washington Post, and we will be right back. Worried about deductibles and co-pays, dental or vision? How about elective procedures? Marley Financial has got you covered. This is John Stagerwald. Marley Financial is now offering a new health savings account that can be used for anything health-related, anything co-pays and deductibles, any prescription, even elective procedures. Marley's new turbocharged health savings account can set you free of high premiums and out-of-pocket expenses. There's even a company matching component that can provide two or even three to one in benefits. And because it's a contribution, not a premium, your value stays with you for the rest of your life. And if you recently lost your job and your health benefits, Marley has programs to get you the coverage you need when you need it most. Call Marley Financial today at 724-884-1496 and ask about their new turbocharged health savings account. That's 784-884-1496. Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the marketplace at MarleyFG.com. The coronavirus pandemic has caused a lot of chaos lately. But something good that's come from it all is that Americans are waking up to the fact that we make too many things overseas and are reliant on China and other nations for the products that we need most. Enough is enough. Authentically American is a veteran-owned, patriotic, made-in-USA apparel company. They produce the highest quality apparel you can find, and it's all American-made. While other companies are waiting for their supplies to come in from Asia, Authentically American is still going strong, putting our neighbors to work every day. They also give 10% of every purchase to charities that support our veterans and their families. Use code SALEMPITTSBURGH to get 10% off your entire purchase. Don't spend one more dime on products made overseas. If every American spent an extra $3.33 on U.S.-made goods, it would create almost 10,000 new jobs in this country. Shop at AuthenticallyAmerican.us and use promo code SALEMPITTSBURGH to take 10% off your entire purchase. That's promo code SALEMPITTSBURGH. Where is yours made? It's time to stand with Israel. Sebastian Gorka here inviting you to register for a life-changing trip to Israel December 2nd to 11th. Join me, my friend Mike Lindell, and hundreds of patriots on the Stand with Israel tour, a journey to the Holy Land to get first-hand insights into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Register today at sebgorka.com. On the Stand with Israel tour, history, culture, and faith will converge right before your eyes in a truly remarkable country. I'll take you behind the scenes to explore over 40 iconic sites during an all-inclusive 10-day tour this December. We'll pray at the ancient Western Wall, sail the picturesque Sea of Galilee, float on the Dead Sea, explore modern Tel Aviv, and much more. Best of all, we'll be together with like-minded supporters of the nation of Israel. Reserve your spot today and travel with me on the Stand with Israel tour. Visit sebgorka.com and click on the Israel banner. That's sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A.com. I'm Josh Levine, co-founder of Tiger Lady, the self-defense tool that ensures you're always aware and prepared when you're alone. At Tiger Lady, we take your safety seriously, and more than ever, people are on edge and looking for ways to feel more secure. Having the means to protect yourself is so important. If you're ever in a dangerous situation, Tiger Lady can help. It's so lightweight, you can easily carry it with you anywhere. The market, the doctor, or to work. If you feel threatened, give it a squeeze, and claws will appear like a real-life Wolverine. We designed Tiger Lady's claws with hollow channels to collect DNA, making it easier to identify the perpetrator. We hope you never have to use Tiger Lady, but we do know it will give you or someone you love 
an extra sense of security. It's something you know that nobody else knows. We know that times are tough, so for a limited time, we're offering 30% off plus free shipping when you use code TIGER at TIGERLADY.COM. Just use the code TIGER at TIGERLADY.COM for 30% off your order. From the Tiger Lady family to yours, wishes for good health and safety in the times ahead. This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. I think a revolt is brewing. Um, I think some of the local politicians are starting to, uh, one, they've been fed up for a while, but they're starting to stand up to some of the, their uh, their superiors, or at least the people, uh, other people in government. San Diego's uh, county supervisor, a guy named Jim Desmond, said after digging into the data, he believes that only six of San Diego County's 194 coronavirus-identified deaths are pure, coronavirus deaths, meaning they died from the virus, not merely with the virus. We've unfortunately had six pure, solely coronavirus deaths, six out of 3.3 million people. That's what he said. Uh, he said I, I, and he said uh, that this is kind of ridiculous and, uh, you know, three people out of uh, 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 six people out of 3.3 million. And, of course, the... Um, it was a, a little bit of a discussion broke out with uh, the county commissioner, uh, public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten. She said that uh, Desmond was being callous. Callous said, I mean, what number are we trying to get to with these odds? I mean, it's incredible. We want to be safe and we can do it. But unfortunately, it's more control than more about control than getting the economy going again and keeping people safe. And the public health officer, Dr. Wilma Wooten, said that he's being callous. Their life is no less valuable than someone's life who does not have underlying conditions. This is not just San Diego, blah, blah, blah. So uh, that's what the public health officer said. So six people out of 3.3 million, according to the research that this guy did, actually died, definitely died from the coronavirus. And one last thing, good news. The beaches are going to be open in New Jersey before Memorial Day, probably on the 22nd, a week from tomorrow. Only one problem. If you want to go there you got to wear a mask on the beach. You want to do that? Not me. Talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of The Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.